0: There's no shortage of discussion around mental health and there's just a lot of stigma still, unfortunately, with that term. I get it. But when you think of mental fitness, the reason I like it is because it includes mental health, but it also, it's the umbrella, it includes mental resiliency. It includes mental performance. And really, in my opinion, everything and anything that has to do with training your mind.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Today, we're going to talk about a fitness routine that you might not have done in the gym before we're actually going to be looking at what does mental fitness look like? And why is it so important for you as you're going about being a superhuman in the workplace? And the guest that I have today, Mark Champagne, is actually a mental fitness strategist. He's the author of the upcoming book or already released book, depending on when you listen to this personal Socrates, author, speaker, and a podcast host. For those of you who are familiar with Behind the Human, top 50 ranked podcast with 200 plus interviews, a good friend of mine, a fellow Canadian who's here to talk about why should we be looking at mental fitness and how different is it from mental health? We're going to to be unpacking this, seeing how you can apply it within your work. Mark, welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you. That was an awesome intro. Well done. Yes,
1: thank you. Well, (laughs) first off, I I need to start with some congratulations. I know you've been working about two years over a new book, Personal, Socrates, and I thought we'd just kick it up there. Like, Can you tell us a bit more about what we're going to be seeing in this book and what it's all about?
0: Yeah, well, thank you. It's it's been a two-year, let's call it a two-year journey to, you know, a year to write and then the rest, to, you know, putting it all together with the publisher and whatnot, but probably a good decade worth of studying and practicing the mental fitness practices that are actually in the book. And most importantly, the reflective questions that I get all lit up about. So, you know, it happens to be in a book form, but this has been really my passion for the last decade plus. And The book came about because after I left a, about eight year career in the corporate space, I had left to create this journaling app essentially. And at the time there was nothing out there that was helping guide people into some sort of reflective practice. And not from the perspective of what I used to hear all the time, the 12 year old girl writing in her diary about the boy at school type thing like that. I was talking about How leaders and how teams and how entrepreneurs and whatnot, how they're slowing down to really think and ask powerful questions so that then when you're making decisions, you know with clarity that you're making the right decisions and that you know when things are off and you have that self-awareness. So that was the whole app experience and we reached a ton of people with it. But unfortunately, you know, our business model wasn't the most sound and we (laughs) financially couldn't keep it going. We, you know, classic startup case where we need more money and more time. And we ran out of both of those things. But that led me to the next part of the journey, which is, well, there was 86.9 million people that eventually we reached with that app. So clearly there was interest in mental fitness. So how do I keep that alive and how do I continue to bring in a different narrative to this and, and provide some sort of different vehicle. And, and that's what landed me to personal Socrates.
1: I love it. So in essence, when people are going to be picking up something like this book based on the experience with the app, you're talking about journaling being one of those powerful tools, especially when it comes to our mental health. And you've corrected me right before the call saying mental health comes with a lot of stigma and you prefer the term mental fitness. And I kind of wanted you to unpack that for me. Sure. I mean, I
0: just noticed this in conversation, you know, speaking about, especially when we had the app running and then also with the book, but I mean, there's no shortage of discussion around mental health. And there's just a lot of stigma still, unfortunately, with that term, right? I get it. I mean, there's a lot of people struggling, obviously. But when you think of mental fitness, the reason I like it is because it includes mental health, but it also, it's the umbrella, it includes mental resiliency, it includes mental performance, and really, in my opinion, everything and anything that has to do with training your mind. So, you know, just speaking in that language, even if you are suffering, and when when I deleted that app, I mean, I was headed in a very deep depression, essentially. I've never felt like that in my life, and it was the mental fitness that pulled me out of that. It was actually one question that pulled me out of that tailspin, essentially. So for me, you know, if we can get people thinking about mental fitness, just like you do physical fitness, right? You're taking the ownership and, and you're you're setting your objectives to to be physically fit. And if you want to do that to be mentally fit, then I just feel like there's a higher chance of preventative health that people can tap into. And there's just so many different practices. And different rituals and whatnot that literally have been around from the beginning of time it's just providing the narrative in the container to be relatable to our lives today
1: Mm, i love that and you know when we talk about mental fitness there's obviously some practices and habits that i think would be probably very powerful to help you build that resilience and obviously nurture the health at the same time what would that look like and are those things that are just emerging now because we have more awareness of what works
0: that's a good question actually i mean There's more discussion, no doubt, right? And I think people are talking more and more about how they're leveraging these practices. But I also do feel that people performing kind of at the top of their game have always had these practices in their toolkit. Because if I think of some of the profiles that are in the book, I mean, one of them is on Marcus Aurelius. Like that's going pretty far back now, right? (laughs) In terms of the emperor of Rome and, you know, pretty famous to have his journals published under meditations. But I mean, he was taking the time despite everything going on, big wars, plagues, you know, I think 13 or 14 of his children died during his lifetime. I mean, you know, serious, serious emotion that you would have to process, but he was taking that time to slow down and journal and reflect and release that and, you know, check in with himself, you know, rate right to someone I know that's, you know, popular and part of your community, someone like Naveen, mm-hmm. who, you know, I've written a profile on him as well in the book, and it's just around thinking and speaking internally in this imagine language, right? Imagine if this was possible. And those are the two sides of reflection, in my opinion. There's one side to help process emotion, but then there's a whole other side to really just unlock all of the limitations we might have set going through life, right? And just unlock your imagination and possibility. And then your mind is in this state of creation where you're motivated and you're, you're driven. And all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking more clearly. So, you know, to answer your question, You know, I think we're speaking about it more, but I don't think the practices are new. You know, I really believe that these are, they have been integrated for most people that are really performing at the top.
1: Well, one thing I noticed is like you were talking about that, app, you had a journaling app and you had to shut it down. And from what I understand, I mean, you've reached like 90 million people or so with this app, which is a huge amount of people. And so it seems like with the work that we're doing, we're reaching more people, we're having more impact. And in your case, even with the shutting down, you saw that it had a big swing on your emotions. And so maybe one of the things that I find is really fascinating today is it seems like anything that we do can have an impact that's so much bigger than whatever we thought was even possible before. And do you feel like that plays a big part into why we need to be more fit mentally?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think there's just so much going on in our daily lives, right? In order to be, again, clear and see where you wanna go next. I mean, for me in that case, I mean, I was definitely plagued with serious fear and anxiety as soon as I hit the leap because I didn't know what the next step was. It was the first time in my life where I didn't have a plan forward. And my backup plan, which was to go back to the corporate world that I had left, just didn't feel right anymore. I had tapped into this new area of mental fitness that I didn't really know existed and felt 100% aligned. And now I just deleted the vehicle that was keeping me in there. So I just share that because at that time I'd interviewed hundreds of people on, on this topic and in this space, right? So there was no lack of, of not having the tools to deal with this. But at the same time, I'm human as well. And that fear took over until I was able to tap into the present moment and layer on some gratitude practices to pause that looping narrative and then eventually get to a new set of questions. And one that was, okay, well, what do I want for my life? Right? And this is where the questions come up and I think are so powerful for anyone, no matter where you're at in life and the importance of having mental fitness as kind of like the container. It's like the mental fitness is like the physical gym That you're going to do your exercise for me reflection or journaling is the treadmill for example or the weight training but i need the container around it to make sure i continue to do it and make sure that the routine is there and make sure i can try other things for example
1: so Mark, while I'm in the workplace, you know, there could be a lot of challenges and demanding activities that I need to work on. Maybe it's like I have to prepare for a presentation. Maybe there's a deadline approaching and you're talking about developing this mental fitness, like substitute or not a substitute, but you know, we look at going into the gym and you use those examples. I'd be curious to know, like, if I want to get started, I feel like I want to develop that resilience. I want to be doing the practices for my mental fitness to make me better at showing up in the workplace. Where would I start? And what are some of these practices that I know I could start today? to really get me to the next level.
0: I'm grateful you asked that because essentially that question or you know, how we can leverage this stuff in real life, especially in the workplace, since most of us spend the majority of our day at work or doing our work, is something that I see a huge gap in. And I I mean, I didn't see it. I didn't see any of that kind of training when I spent about eight or nine years in the corporate world. It was starting to come, you know, you might have a bit of meditation and whatnot, but even at that, people will be, ah, that's that's not really for me. So for me, again, just the same reason I started the podcast was just to provide a different perspective on how this can be used every day. Let me first say though, I mean, just to set the kind of the, the groundwork, it's nearly impossible for us to do our best thinking and come up with the best ideas or lead teams and feel like we're going down the right path when our mind is fogged or or is full of let's say emotions that are firing relationships that are causing, you know, stress or taking up mental capacity. I relate it back to if you look at a physical room, you open the door and the room is filled from floor to ceiling with boxes you know there could be filled with books of knowledge and whatnot but if you can't see the box in the back of the room and that's where you need the information then there's a problem and often our minds are set up in that way because of the elements i mentioned so at its core this is where the mental fitness pieces come into it right it helps release that fog bring some more clarity when you do that then all of a sudden you're more intentional with what you're doing practices, the tactics and whatnot. So simple stuff. I mean, things that I wish I had when I was a, a brand manager and leading teams and whatnot on these these $100 million healthcare brands, just presenting in front of a leadership team, or if you are the leader and you know being able to be present, listening to that presentation. I mean, there are mental fitness practices that are used just in the same way that elite athletes use to visualize Okay, this is how I want the people on the other side of that audience to feel after I've given my presentation or pitch or whatever it is. Whether that's on Zoom, whether that's a keynote, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the same kind of concept, right? How do you want them to feel? And then now you're priming your mind to go through those motions, for example. And then, you know, when you're doing that too, you start releasing some of the fear and whatnot. Another tactic just related to that, and this one came from Maya Angelou, one of the profiles in the book. And what she used to do, I mean, giving massive addresses for U.S. presidents and and poetry readings and, you know, college and university, commencement speeches and whatnot, she would, you know, when fear would come up, she would pause and she would remember everyone in her life that supported her and loved her and was there and almost, you know, in a visualization, bring those people up on stage with her to give that confidence, right? To then deliver with like, you've got your team behind you, for example, small little things, but this stuff works. The other thing I remember I was interviewing a guy by the name of Lauren Shuster, who was the chief operating officer of Lego, another Canadian guy actually. And I remember he used to tell me these little, these mindfulness hacks that he had in between meetings and just slowing down before entering in the next room, or if you're doing this on Zoom, before you dial into the next room to take two or three big deep breaths and focus if you're walking, focus on those last three steps. And again, mentally just letting go of the past conversation and coming in present for the next. So these are, I mean, these are in the moment, but where the real magic is, is if you can layer in 10 or 15 minutes early morning for your own mental fitness and and i would suggest some sort of reflection or, or reading you know reading a book and then slowly going through the knowledge and actually applying that to your life through some sort of journaling and the more you're doing the journaling the more you're doing the reflection the more that these moments in the middle of the day at work will become apparent again it, i always relate it back to the physical world because we get that but it's just like an olympic athlete that's doing all the training for the big event well our big event is the day for the most part right it's life so when something comes up if you have a conversation and someone is charging your emotions essentially the more you're doing that consistent training the more you can have that micro pause before reacting and then you respond instead right so it's just these these little tips like that that also make it just so much more pleasurable to go through the day like that especially people around you they notice as well it's a really it's a win-win
1: well, I love that you're related to the fitness side, because I see that, you know, for those who want the big results in fitness, oftentimes it's about doing these consistent, small changes that become part of your habits, but there's also a part of fitness that's really emphasizing some hard, intensive work. And I, I'm a part of that. Like I like to go for, you know, a high intensity interval training or to do some really strong strength training. And there's kind of this feeling that when I go to the gym and let's say I sweat a lot or my muscles are sore, I feel like I've done a good job preparing yet. It seems like all the fitness strategies for your mental health are bringing you to a place of relaxation of slowing down. And it's almost like you don't get that dopamine rush that you'd get from the fitness that makes you kind of get addicted to it versus it's now about something that's making you slow down. So I'm just curious, is this a, an observation that makes sense and have you found a different way to anchor it for those who are, like to perform at a high level yet feel like all these mindfulness little hacks for mental fitness seems to be slowing them down and they can't get themselves motivated to just anchor it.
0: My mind's defaulting to just one of the examples from Apollo Ono who's a short track speed skater at the time The I think he was the most decorated winter Olympian in, in the U.S. at least and There is an example, again, so he had a really dialed in mental fitness routine, but when he would go into his physical training, at one point, he shifted the way he was working out and really focused on every fiber of his muscle as he was working out. So again, you know, I'm trying to kind of link both things, right? There's the calming effect, because Apollo Ono, I mean, there's a quote of this in, in the book, he was able to meditate at a level where beads of sweat would be coming down his face because he was visualizing his races with such intensity. So there is that intensity that you can get from these practices, depending on how you're trying to use them, right? And the other the other side to that, as I just, you know, I don't suggest a start here because it, it usually pushes people away, but depending on the question, people don't have a problem asking questions. People have a challenge hearing the answer often. Right. So, you know, something like what discomfort am I running from or what am I pretending not to know, which was a question left from Jamie wheel from the flow research collective. You know, those are questions that start getting a little bit deeper and, you know, open you up and bring in some vulnerability. But as you go there, now again as you're releasing that and and figuring out okay where do I want to go who's the James Clear is a good example who am I optimizing to become you know are my habits and my systems are they supporting the person I want to be am I climbing the right mountain you have to go through that clarity work first right because then when we're clear then all of a sudden we start acting with intention and we can do the practices that I'm suggesting at work at home that then bring you know, exponential opportunity, because we can see yes something as simple as an emotional reaction to a conversation, for example, a quick pause. And this is from going back to the stoicism again and coming from Ryan Holiday, and it's just, you know, what can I control in this situation? Or is this reaction, is the energy I'm giving this reaction worth it? It's a small question. But it just it gives you that micro pause to say, you know what, it's not. I'm going to let this go. And instead of this situation ruining the rest of my day, which also ruins the way that I think or at least slows down my capacity to think at a top level, now you've completely changed that in the matter of microseconds.
1: I think once we start catching ourselves doing these things in multiple times, we'll be able to have healthier communication, healthier work relationships. And then, you know, the result being that our mental health in general just improves significantly. Now, one thing you mentioned, you know—you got a lot of inspiration, a lot of stories for people for a lot of different industries. Did you notice while you were writing this book for Personal Socrates, as you've noticed all these different modalities that they were doing, if there was a common thread among these high performers, people that really want to be able to take it to the next level and prioritize mental fitness?
0: There was. It was interesting because the structure of the book actually appeared about halfway through writing it because of basically what you're saying here or what I realized. And it was becoming very apparent that the recipe, which I was starting with the Socratic method, meaning ask a big question, ask follow-up questions and more questions after that to, to find more clarity and so forth, which was, you know, historically, it's been around for a long time, obviously, but using an academic setting. And there was all these different question types. And I started getting to the point where I was realizing I can't even list out those six question types. I mean, you're, you're not going to remember those things on an intuitive level, but what I was noticing through the research from past interviews or people that had passed like the Maya Angelou's or Stephen Hawking, for example, there was a simpler format that still took, you know, that framework, but set it up in a way that any of us can remember. And that is get clear, get intentional, expand possibility and expand possibility of the third phase you don't even have to think about that cuz that happens by default if you're focusing on the first two so this is where again I, I sound a little bit like a broken record on this one but the clarity part those questions to understand you know how do i feel like where do i feel that in my when i wake up first thing in the morning do i feel my is my chest tight do i have anxiety today you know where is that coming from and just already you've already you've already released a lot of that before even starting the day by just identifying where it is and where it may be coming from for example versus just you know making a coffee or a cup of tea rolling into the day checking your phone your email and then that that tension you know in your body and your mind just keeps rolling forward and just keeps compounding and compounding versus what I've noticed in the themes is there's again taking that time to still your mind to think And then from there, you can make intentional decisions, right? Because then you also know the practices that will help you. We're all different, right? I mean, you enjoy the gym. Someone else may enjoy running or spinning or whatever it is. Like that's the physical side. Others like yoga, meditation, you know, going to an art gallery or taking a walk. I mean, I would encourage everyone to just spend five minutes and list out five or 10 things that they know with 100% certainty those activities We'll put a smile on your face because then you can take a look. Okay. Well, if these things I know make me feel good, how often are they in my weekly schedule? Right. And you know, someone like a Stephen Kotler, when it comes to flow states, there's great research to suggest that if you put your, exactly, you put yourself in a flow state, the impact that you have in, in creativity can be seen up to three days after, for example. So again, it's just injecting the things that you know light you up. For me, it's mountain biking and snowboarding. That that those are the things that help me. It helped me write the book. And then it also makes you feel better.
1: I love it. And now you're making me miss snowboarding because I haven't been able to do much of that while I'm here in Bali. You but those who might be seeing this on a video is I have my little puppy in the background there. He's been pretty good. But yeah. taking a walk on the beach with the dog, that's one of the things I love to do that kind of just yeah. makes me relax, slow down, and then get back into the day and do it in a strong way. Mark, this has been a fantastic conversation. I just wanna say thank you. And again, congratulations on the book. I think for those listening, you've realized that there's so many things you can do when it comes to mental fitness. I love that we talked about clarity being that drum that Mark kept beating on, which is so important, but asking these powerful questions so you can get clear on why you're feeling certain ways, the journaling practice obviously being one of the more fundamental practices for your mental fitness that you should bring in. I love these tips that you can use into the workplace, whether it's about getting into a a meeting or a presentation and visualizing the outcome, because I know a funny person or a few people mentioned that the difference between being excited and being nervous is just based on the outcome you have of the activity you're about to do. And so to get in a state of excitement, think of the positive outcomes of the activities you do, Think about anytime you're in a public space, all the people that have supported you to be able to be on that space and they have to lend you the confidence. But again, these are just touching the tip of the iceberg. When you pick up a copy of Personal Socrates, there are tons of stories from amazing people that Mark has curated to give you all these different tools that you can bring to your mental fitness toolbox. But again, we want to make sure you are prioritizing your mental health. Take the space, slow it down. And make sure you're going at it hundred percent because that's how you can show up as a superhuman in the workplace. Mental fitness is just as important as physical fitness, if not more important. So prioritize it. And hopefully today you've gotten some good tips on how to get started. So Mark, once again, thank you so much for coming.
0: Thank you. This was a blast. <laughs>